0: Welcome to an episode of... Uh, original remake, that's right. Okay, hold on. You <laughs> <laughs> should definitely leave that in. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions... Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake, do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But
0: most of all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? We're back from a hiatus and I am Peter and joining me is the uh, uh, magnificent Mike, Uh, probably a stripper stage name of his, uh, I'd imagine.
1: You're going to have to give me a little more notice to, you know, to get in shape for that. But yes, I will, I will use that as my stripper <laughs> handle. That'll be fine. I'll have a, a cowboy theme, you know, from Kentucky. So that, that'll work. I like
0: it. I like it. That's, that's a good one. Maybe come out with a bottle of wild turkey or something too.
1: That's, you know, that's, that's rough stuff there, Peter. I, I got to be a little classier. Hopefully I'm working at a
0: nicer place, some nicer I, <laughs> bourbon. I don't, I don't know my whiskeys. So, <laughs> oh, it's bourbon. Oh, see, I see. I don't know my alcohols <laughs> or liquor, I guess. Um, but your, uh, yeah, your stripper my-
1: handle would be, I don't, I don't know what it would be. I just hope you're wearing a top
0: knot is all. And, you know, a <laughs> yeah. sexy
1: samurai look. Is there a Halloween yeah. costume for that? Sexy samurai? Oh,
0: I, I think so. It might be in the women's section though. <laughs> it, it might be, you know, it may be some wooden, uh, wooden, uh, flip flops too, you know, or something like that. Uh, but, uh, we are back. It's been a, a very long hiatus, sir. Uh, I want to congratulate you on a, uh, tying the knot.
1: I thought you were gonna congratulate me on uh, having the commitment to watch all three plus hours of Seven Samurai because so far that that's been more of a commitment than marriage.
0: Well, you know, I mean, that's why we've been on this hiatus. It's taken <laughs> us that long <laughs> to finish these two movies.
1: I believe when we came up with the concept uh, for this this show, this podcast, that this was going to be the first the first two. And then I pulled Seven Samurai off the shelf and was like, Peter, do you know how long this thing is? Let's just wait for this. So, yes, we had to take the entire summer off to watch Seven Samurai. But it was worth it, I think.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, for those that have followed us or even new people, hey, you know, thank you for uh, giving us a shot, even though uh, we haven't had an episode in a while. We've done but nothing cover, for you,
1: but thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the cover art itself, it, it is, you know, uh, screenshots from Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai. So that's what we're covering today. Uh, but you're right. It, it was going to be the, the first episode. Uh, actually, probably about two years ago, to be honest with you. I think... um you know, because when we first started, it was going to be every other week. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, around the two-year mark w- where we started this uh, podcast. Then we and, took uh, that
1: much further. We're like, how about every other month, every other three months? <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, th- I mean, this is this is tough stuff. I mean, you got, you know, uh, four or five hours for movie watching. Then we got to record. Then we got to edit. It's a lot, a lot of uh, production into one episode. So, you know. We kind of needed the uh, the break, uh, I would say. So hopefully we're both replenished and re-energized, re invigorated. Got my wild turkey
1: know. here. I'm, I'm ready.
0: <laughs> there you go. You're very classy, sir. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I feel like there's a few other things we should probably bring up. No, that's that's pretty much it. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to you, sir, for um, uh, earlier this year on my birthday, you sent me the uh, Blu-ray Criterion collection of. Uh, seven samurai so i watched it in that and it was beautiful um was it me or did it look like like it was sped by like a quarter of a you know a speed or whatever whatever it is it seems it seems slightly faster than a, a normal rate
1: well, for me it was anyway because I was just trying to get some of these scenes down. I was trying to get a portion of the <laughs> movie done, so I was speeding it up. Uh, I, but yeah, I think that's a uh, that's sort of the standard look of some action movies of that that era. Uh, the way they sort of choreographed it, I guess you know it, it wasn't going to look exactly like people fighting. So you do get some of that, uh, some of those sequences sped up a little bit. Some of the, the movement doesn't look totally natural. Um, but I have to say I'm very impressed with the, uh, use of fire in this film. That seemed quite dangerous because I know there was no CGI then. And, uh, these, these actors were working with a lot of, uh, burning, uh, properties and, and their, their wives and peasants running into burning buildings. So I don't know. I'm glad you got to see it in glorious criterion collection, Blu-ray, which you usually make fun of me for, for, for having (laughs) on my shelf.
0: Yes, well, I mean, because yours are never opened. I mean, that's why I make fun of you. I mean, at least I opened up mine to watch it. Uh,
1: I, I did, and you know, the the sad thing was, I was uh, I was putting together some podcast stuff, and so I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and start the movie. I was like, I'll, I'll go, you know, find my copy. Uh, in a minute, but in the other room and I was like, Oh, it's on Hulu. And I started watching it. And then I felt bad. I'm like, you know, I own a really nice, expensive version of this and I'm still watching it on Hulu. I'm still just streaming it because I'm so lazy. <laughs> so I forced myself to open my seven samurai criterion and, uh, but I haven't dived in. I didn't have time to dive into the special feature. So apologies to our listeners that expect this to be a, you know, an expert opinion on this. I, I didn't get to listen to the commentary because. Uh, we would have to take three more months off. So we're just we're just going I'm just gonna talk about the movie. I don't know about you, but just basically my, my first reaction. First time watch.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um the I am glad you didn't watch it on Hulu because we'd probably have to take another two months with all the commercials, you know, in, in between. That's true. But, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the movies that we are covering. Um like uh, like we do, you know, I will uh, briefly summarized uh, the original movie and you do the remake again for those new listeners and hopefully we still have our uh, subscribers all two of them uh which are you and I so so we're here thank you peter uh, seven <laughs> yeah yeah no problem uh, so seven samurai uh, this one came out um i got april 26 1954 i'm not sure if that's like the japanese release date or the american release date but just taking this uh, from wikipedia here but it's directed by Akira Kurosawa uh screenplay also by him with also uh Shinobu Hashimoto Hideo Oguni and uh whew, man I'm going to butcher these names but um I'm just going to read off the samurai uh characters we got Toshiro Mu uh Mufuni as kuchio Kukuchio the sexy uh, one he, the, very sexy the one that
1: shows off a lot of leg in fight yeah, scenes he, for whatever reason
0: he's uh very beastly <laughs> <laughs> take that however you like uh takashi Shamu- shamura as uh, uh, kenbei um that's the the, the leader basically uh daisuki kato as um shishiroji uh, i saw kamura you know hey i took french just, just so you guys know uh, Katsushiro Akumaru, uh, Manuru Chiaki as Haihachi, uh, Seiji Miyaguchi as Kyoto, and Yoshio Inaba as go, uh, Gorobe. Did you catch all that?
1: I, you know, I trust you on that. Okay. Because I, uh, you're far more cultured than I am. I, I think I <laughs> took French and just basically goofed off in high school. So, uh, you know, I, I'm always thankful. That as the the proud dumb American of the show, that the format dictates that I introduced the remake, which is usually the dumb American version. So it's much easier on, on me. Uh, this episode, we'll be talking about the original Magnificent Seven, 1960, which uh, you mentioned the release date of Seven Samurai. It came to America a couple years later, so they were actually pretty quick as far as getting this turned around. It was four years later, October 23rd, 1960 directed by John Sturges, written by William Roberts, and it stars Joel Brenner as our leader Chris. Uh we have the nemesis of the town, the leader of the the bandits uh is Eli Wallach who I think made a habit of playing like a villainous part in westerns. I think he's the ugly from g- the good bad and the ugly. Steve McQueen um is basically the right-hand man of uh of Chris. I believe in the newer version this is ...kind of what uh, Chris Pratt is supposed to be. This is played by Steve McQueen, who is, of course, much cooler than Chris Pratt. And we also have uh, Charles Bronson... ...is a name that uh, people will recognize from the Death Wish series in the 70s. And he is uh, playing Bernardo, who uh, is the most liked by children, apparently... ...which made him the character that I dislike the most in this film. (laughs) And uh, James Coburn, who is uh, basically playing the, uh, the, the talent... Here. He's like the, the MVP of the crew, which uh, we'll see in both versions of this uh, and in the newer one also. He's uh, a fan of using knives and is just, I guess, the most skilled of the Magnificent Seven, most skilled gunslinger. So those are the names that you will recognize. Uh, Robert Vaughn is Lee, maybe, um, who is playing uh, the sort of the conflicted Gunslinger, who's uh, not totally sure of himself. Kind of a trait that they took in the newer one and placed in the Ethan Hawke role. So, uh, Like Seven Samurai, this was also a first time watch for me. I actually went backwards. I've gone from the newest Magnificent Seven 2016 version to 1960 and then back to 1954 for Seven Samurai. So I did not watch them in the appropriate order, which I tried to do, but as I said, I'm the dumb American on the show, so uh, Peter, I know you had watched Seven Samurai when you were younger, so you're a little bit – this is not uh, – you're a little bit more of an expert than me on top knots, right?
0: Uh, I, w- I wouldn't know about expert, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you you definitely Benjamin Buttoned uh, this watch here. Good. Um, Compare me
1: to Brad Pitt. That's fine. I accept it. Yes.
0: There you go. Uh, yeah – Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai, both of these movie uh, movies, I did watch. I probably want to say junior, no, no, it was senior year. Uh, Seven Samurai, we actually watched in um, my art class, and not art, as in like arts and craft, but arts and literature. Uh, my my teacher he put this on, and I think it took uh, took us like three days, you know, to finish it because it is so long. And I think you know we uh, took the entire class. To, to watch parts of the film. So after having watched Seven Samurai and enjoying it so much, um, I decided to seek out the the 1960 Magnificent Seven. And, you know, I still haven't figured out if... Uh, I, I enjoy westerns, but it's really hard to find, like, really good ones. I know in other podcasts you've referenced, like, Open Range, which I also mm-hmm. enjoy, but I, I haven't seen, like, a whole lot of them. But I do enjoy um, watching a good one, you know, so... Magnificent Seven, I think it was, uh, it it didn't do it any service watching it after watching Seven Samurai, because I don't think I enjoyed it as much, because there were a lot of elements taken right from the original movie. You know, I mean, it is a remake, but, um, so watching it for this review, I still remembered some parts of Seven Samurai, but for Magnificent Seven, it was almost watching it for the very first time, Hmm. I remembered very little of the uh, Eli Eli Wallach character, Calvera. Um, I barely remember any of the interactions amongst the Magnificent Seven. So, yeah, very little did I remember from from that 1960s Western.
1: Watching them so close together on, on, well, I would say back-to-back nights, but that's only because I had to split up the Seven Samurai from like one evening to the morning to, to finish it up. Uh, the one thing I was most taken with in the remake, which, you know, they, they lose an hour, almost an hour and a half. So certain stuff gets dropped. Um, this includes a lot of the sort of interactions with, I guess, the, the peasants in Magnificent Seven, as they call them, and the, the farmers in Seven Samurai. There's a lot of down, I mean, there's downtime in both. I mean, Magnificent Seven is two hours and eight minutes, so it's not a short movie. But they really, uh, focus on the dynamic and the differences, I guess, in, lifestyle between the samurai and the farmers um, you you get a whole uh, bit with uh, the how the the farmers are afraid of them which is also in magnificent seven but then you you i think you have a more extensive training with them more extensive bonding which you, magnificent seven i think the gunslingers are just treated as as heroes who kind of come in and uh you know show the kids you know how to shoot some guns but for the most part they're there to to play defenders for this town and then leave. And I think seven samurai, there's much more of a bond, but the thing, the one thing that I really do like more about magnificent seven is you mentioned Eli Wallach and I just like his villain much more so than I thought I would because the villain in seven samurai, uh, I don't, I don't really think they give him any sort of like interactions with the, with our heroes to you as far as I don't remember these extended sequences like the, Eli Wallach basically is like, it's like he has this respect for these gunslingers and has multiple instances where he's, uh, has this dialogue exchange where he's asking them to, to leave or saying, you know, we, you know, we should work together. We should, you know, why are you still here? All these things. And I, I felt like as much as they could, they fleshed out the villain more than magnificent seven. Whereas in seven samurai, it's like just this thing that's going to happen. It's just like the bandits are coming.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um, that's what I do. That's what I do like about Magnificent Seven a little bit more uh, is just because of the the, the the you know the lead bad guy. The what I really do like about Seven Samurai is how well they flesh out the 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 villagers, you know, mm-hmm. the, these peasants. And that's what my that's one of my biggest gripes about the the remake of Magnificent Seven was that I felt like I, I didn't care for any of the town's folk you know because in in the in the remake of the remake of a remake that the, <laughs> that one is uh all white folks you know in a uh-huh. in a you know western town in uh with it new mexico or something or i might of another movie in, uh,
1: the newest one's in california i believe
0: you know what i just reviewed young guns recently that's why i thought new mexico and I, you're all I, over I the place uh, western sure good lord <laughs> yeah uh Okay so that's what I do that's what I do like about seven samurai cuz they really flesh out the characters they give a lot of characters so many backstories and well not not so much backstories but uh, they they for me I buy in to to everyone and I and I understand why each of the sam- samurais want to help out you know these villagers you know the the, the the one character with his wife, you know, who he mm-hmm. runs into later on. That's a very emotional scene. Um, the is it the same guy that that has a daughter, or is that another villager where he cuts off the hair of the daughter?
1: I believe it, I believe that's a. I don't you know. I don't really know as far as I, I believe it's a different villager, though.
0: Okay, they they look a lot alike, and I can say that because I'm Asian. But they also, uh,
1: they really uh, they like the the balding hairstyle. They
0: <laughs> they really do. <laughs> i mean they they uh admire these uh, samurai so much that they try to you know mimic their haircuts too now um yeah, and you don't get anything like that from any versions of the magnificent seven you know the they are just um you know that that's the one of the things too why I buy in so much more of how the seven samurai are recruited because they are Ronin. You know, mm. a, a samurai is somebody who has an allegiance to somebody like a master and a ronin is one who has no allegiance. So they're a, they're a wandering sword, basically, you know, for hire. So that's why I like the part where Kenbei, you know, he's just, uh, you know, he's in... I don't know where, where are they actually hanging out at, at, at this, at this room? And they're just having like, uh, little by little, they're, they're just looking for the right person to walk on by, you know, as opposed to Magnificent Seven, you got Yul Brenner and Steve McQueen just kind of wandering around like, oh, hey, we've heard about this guy over here, you know, for that, that didn't work for me as well, just because it's like how, You know, so you got you got these guys just walking around, wandering, looking for some gunslingers. You know, where Seven Samurai, it's like it makes more sense. You know, these are Ronins that are just walking through town looking for a job. You know, so it it just it's easier to find somebody to hire that way. So I just kind of like that approach better.
1: I think it's it's definitely a a difference in genre. Um, The westerns are trying to really push. These men as some sort of legends. So you, you you look at you know Yol Brenner's character, who's very uh, accomplished, and and he's the one that they these villagers go to looking for help. And so you, you see his capabilities, and you see uh, him say, "I know a guy, a guy that I respect." So instantly, the audience respects his choices because we see how skilled he is as a gunslinger. With Seven Samurai, it, you know it's a, it's a time of chaos clearly. Like, uh, and uh, I mean, there's a little bit of that in the Old West, but I don't feel like the story and the world that we're in in Magnificent Seven is as chaotic as that. Like, just the fact that it's, you know, it's a war torn country. I mean, it's a time of exploration where anything can happen in the West. Like, you know, new towns are propping up. But I think seven samurai, and you see that like emotionally with a lot of the characters you're you're saying that you know the relationships get more fleshed out as it's kind of like a story about of loss and we we have the one uh samurai who is actually a you know he's the son of a farmer who he has a scene where and i'm talking about the the sexy one uh toshiro uh Mifune. I don't know if I got hey. that right um he but he's the avatar for our show so obviously he's the, the one of the sexiest screen legends of all time. But you know he he's he's the one that is seems the most cold or the most uh aggressive about things, and there's a sequence where a family uh want to go find basically the elder of the village, the one who has told them we need to recruit samurai and he he has refused to leave his home because he says he always knew he was going to die in that house, and so the bandits are coming, and they've kind of fortified the village. And the family goes, and then he finds, you know, the the house is on fire, and he realizes they've not come back during the, the battle, and uh, he finds a baby, and they're in the river, and he, he makes a point saying like, this baby is me, you know, this is basically this is my life, like he's gonna turn into me because uh, this is an experience I had, this is how I lost my family. None of that's in Magnificent Seven. I do think you were talking about Westerns earlier. I don't know if American audiences would have been that comfortable in 1960 to see Western gunslingers uh, emote in that way. The closest you get is at the end of the film where uh, the one gunslinger who has been basically trying to figure out and kind of slightly interrogating uh, these villagers, uh, asking if there's like gold or silver, like a mine somewhere, if that's the reason that these – Uh, bandits keep, you know, coming back. Uh, he, he, he wants, like, basically on his sort of deathbed after he's been shot, uh, he wants to still believe that they were fighting for something greater, like gold. Like, it couldn't have just been saving these peasants. And I think that's a pretty big difference as far as you see one of the samurai cradling a baby and sort of lamenting, like, the direction his life took and how it's gonna keep going past down generation after generation. Uh, versus a guy dying and saying, like, there was gold here, right? Like, I didn't waste my <laughs> life. I don't know it's just, it's, sort of, it's just a big difference in tone.
0: It, it really is. Um, that scene with uh, Cuccio uh, that you talk about is it, very emotional because throughout the movie you see him, you know, his mannerisms are that of basically a combination of a gorilla and a dog. You know, like, uh, for, for a while it kind of bothered me. I'm just like, this guy's just really over the top. But, uh, he's, he's gone through quite a bit, you know, in, in that scene where he is cradling that baby in the water. It is it's very emotional, and that's the first time you really see, like, um, see his character kind of humanized. Uh, so yeah, I, I really like that. I'm trying to think, like, what scenes, um, had anything close to that for me. Uh, I, I don't know if there really was anything. Like, Robert Vaughn's character, uh, The funny thing is, like, I know his face from a lot of things, but the only thing that pops into my head is freaking Superman 4. You know, (laughs) no, I'm sorry, part three with uh, Richard Pryor. He was in part three. and He was the bad guy in there. And uh, I did not. He, oh, gosh, he he had some pretty bad acting scenes for me anyway. Uh, Like, there's one scene. He's waking up in the middle of the night having a nightmare. And I just thought that was... uh, that was a little cringy, mm-hmm. and then also his death scene where he just like face plants into the wall. Um, I thought that was kind of unnatural, but I guess it kind of shows the times a, a little bit there.
1: Yeah, and I think that's you know it's his scene that works better in that regard is where I believe Steve McQueen's character uh, when he's demanding payment for this this thing they're gonna do to save this town. Uh, says that'll, $20 will settle up his rent. And Steve McQueen is accusing him of, you know, living high on the hog and basically having, um, pre- being a pretty well to do gunslinger. And he smarts off. And he was like, yeah, I basically live in the back of a, you know, a store, a dry goods store, and I get one can of beans a day. Um, and, that's, I think that's about as much as I want out of those characters as far as their backstory. Just because the way they carry themselves and the fact that you are losing about, you know, an hour and change. I don't know if we have time to have, like you were saying, the, um, the Kakuchio character where he is pretty goofy at times and he's, he is literally showing his ass to the bandits as they fire at him. <laughs> um, I think that works better because you spend so much time with him as like the drunken jackass that when he's, you know, cradling uh, a baby, you know, with in the water with flames around him, that's a very melodramatic moment. It catches you off guard. And maybe when they tried to do that with Robert Vaughn, they, they hadn't earned it as much. And it was, as you said, it was just a little more off putting. And maybe they just need to be. Western gunslingers. They need to be the man with no name. I, I don't know. The, the most I think that <laughs> I get out of it is the, the kids who say that they're going to like, um, have this grave site and basically, you know, take care of, uh, I believe it's the, it's the Charles Bronson character, take care of his grave. Like they promise him that cause he's their favorite. And he just has this sort of look on his face like, gee, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it yeah. doesn't come to that. That's what I feel like works better um, in the West uh, in a Western genre. But uh, I don't know. It's interesting because I guess you know Samurai, especially the this story is taking place. Was it like the mid 1500s? I believe. Yes. When,
0: uh, I want to say late, but I mean 1500s.
1: Long ass time ago. Yes. Um, it's just something that. You know, we don't see as many samurai movies, and maybe our expectations of how characters and westerns are supposed to act uh is just a little more defined because I don't know how many samurai movies I've even seen. I mean, I know I've seen one starring Tom Cruise.
0: I was about to ask you that, if it was the Tom Cruise one. Yeah, the white guy <laughs> as a <the> samurai. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I bet you if they made, remade Seven Samurai as opposed to like the the new Magnificent Seven, probably would have had about three white guys in there, maybe four. <laughs> Actually, maybe five. Now that I think about it, um, all playing Asian characters. I mean, Joe Brenner, you know, uh, he himself did one in uh, The King and I. But um, yeah, the uh, Charles Bronson, I really, I really did like him in this one. And my God, he looks so much bigger, you know, when he was a lot younger, mm-hmm. because I'm more familiar with him from you know the '80s. Uh, yeah. And he just seems a, a lot a lot smaller. You shrink uh, when you get old, man. Eli Wallace. Apparently.
1: <laughs> you ought to see how tiny he he's basically like a little gremlin in uh was it Keeping the Faith with Edward Norton and Ben Stiller. It's oh, a, he's in that, huh? Okay. Yeah, tiny tiny man at that point. Um I've
0: seen it just uh just one time when it first came out and I think I only watched it what wasn't it directed by Edward Norton? It was, yeah. Yeah, it was his debut. Yeah, so that's the only reason I watched it. But um yeah, John Bronson. Like, I guess his character was half Mexican too, you know. So mm-hmm. there was a bit of a throwaway line, and uh, you know, in in uh, comparing it with like uh, how kids are treated uh, in both movies, like The Seven Samurai, the very first time we see like the, uh, a kid, it's one that's being rescued by our our lead uh, Kembe you know, where he kind of poses as a monk to um, thwart this thief who had cuts taken off the a top toy. knot
1: too. Gets really yeah.
0: yeah Yep, shaves it all off yeah. and I, I, I do like this recurring theme of how he's always rubbing his head throughout yeah. I don't know what that means but I I do like that little touch mm-hmm. um and then you got Charles Bronson's character who slaps a kid for like calling his parents cowards <laughs> 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 so I thought that was pretty funny uh, in contrasting uh, yeah how they treat a kid
1: different uh, different sensibilities there uh, I I will say you know talking about the the leaders that I feel like. Yel Brenner is the one who probably loses the most as an actor, as far as like when you chop down the runtime. Because I, you know, watching this one before Seven Samurai, I was really taken with how, you know, Kenbei just like how much there is of him as far as. Uh, he's fully three-dimensional. You know, he he laughs. You know, he he gives advice. He's not he's not just the the stern stoic. Basically, let's get the group together. He's not just playing Danny Ocean, like you kind of accuse Magnificent Seven of being like just getting the the gang together. And I don't, I didn't really like. I wouldn't say coming out of Magnificent Seven that that's the part that I you know I would want to play as an actor. It's very reminiscent of the newer one with Denzel Washington, where I feel like he didn't really you know he just is playing stoic and there's more interesting roles like you know uh, beneath him i mean the fact that i find that the villain is the most interesting in magnificent 7 i don't know if that's a good or bad thing i think it's good for that role but uh, it probably shows that they didn't do enough with the, the gunslingers as much as they do with the the samurai because i think there's there's pretty dramatic arcs there uh with those characters and the the bonds that they have especially his uh the young one you know the the one that's i guess you get a mixture of in magnificent 7 Mm-hmm. Uh, the young one there is kind of—he's he, a cross between, Kikuchiyo. Um, yeah, yeah, because he's the one that's also kind of crazy, and he—you know—he's—they—they yeah. they mimic the the drunken scene where he's you know insisting that he's going to join uh, their gang and be a part of this this mission. Um, but it, it, the, it the
0: clapping scene, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, but it—you know—it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, he he's threatening them with, <laughs> with gunfire. And I never feel like with Kikuchio that he's, that is that threatening. Basically he's, he's chasing around someone who hit him in the head. Like he's, he's totally yeah. in his rights <laughs> cause he just got whacked with the stick. Um, and I, I felt like, you know, that, that's a, that's an interesting way to sort of condense the runtime, but I really miss the, the sort of mentor between the, the old and young that you get in seven samurai. And I don't, I don't know yeah. if it, Quite, you know, works in Magnificent Seven by also having him be, you know, because he's not a likable young guy. I mean, he's getting drunk and threatening them with weapons, and it's kind of, kind of crazy. So, I liked it better when those characters were split as two distinct individuals in Seven Samurai.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, kind of like what they did with, uh, The Departed, you know, taking it back to our. Was that the first episode? That was, that was the, okay. our second
1: <laughs> choice after you know, okay. Seven Samurai was, you know, 17 hours long.
0: That they. And that's kind of what they did with, like, the, the love interest, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, Vera Ferminga uh, character. She was the combination of the, the two love interests from the, um, Infernal Affairs. So, yeah, it, you know, like, uh, he starts off like Kukuchio, you know, when he's following, like, Joel Brenner and Steve McQueen to, uh, to go bury the, the engine, uh, you know, in, in, the, in a white man's cemetery, you know, so he's like, you know, he, again, the mannerisms are kind of animalistic, you know, and, and then the drunken scene with the clapping. Yeah. And then, and then he turns into the, the young samurai, you know, that has the, the love interest, you know, uh, and, and this one, well, I guess it's the same thing. You know, it's a, a love interest with uh, one of the, uh, the, the young village women. And, um, what, what are your thoughts about that? Like, because seven samurai is already long enough. Do you think that that maybe is something that we could have, uh, done without, you know, this little love, love story subplot. If
1: I'm, if I'm getting out my, you know, studio interference, if I'm getting out my Edward scissor hands and chopping this up, it is probably the love story. It's the, you know, the father's, uh, fear of these samurai coming to town and losing his daughter to them. Because, I mean, it does make sense because you're just bringing in, you know, hired swordsmen and you know you made the point earlier about they're not necessarily samurai they're, at that time they're ronin they're masterless so you're really just bringing in just a hired gun and you don't know who their allegiance is you don't know what their morals are really other than they're they're good at violence but it does go on for an extended period of time and that that is the part of the film where i started to <laughs> look at the watch i started uh, hitting the the playstation controller to be like how long have i been watching this how much longer um, and they have a little bit of it in Magnificent Seven. I think the, the biggest thing is it's just much more important culturally in Seven Samurai at that time period um, because you know it was uh, basically about their your, your lot in life and if this daughter can be married off to someone respectable. And that's the, the interesting part about Seven Samurai is that clearly these are very capable men that are brought in, but they're not necessarily respected. By the farmers. You know, they're still they're kind of treated as like at least initially is like these wild beasts. And it's like if you went and got it like a, you know, a ferocious dog to guard your house or something, but you don't fully trust it like <laughs> with you in the house. It's just roaming the yard. So um I I mean, I think it works, but yeah, as far as like rewatchability of the movie, that's probably the part that I I could skip past um and get back to Get back to other things that involve the, the samurai and their their uh, their bonds with each other and the villagers. Not necessarily this father's fear for his daughter and her falling in love with one of the, the samurai.
0: You know, uh, another thing I really do like uh, about Seven Samurai is I forgot how how funny it actually really is. Yeah. You know, down to like some of the village people with, with like their um, really cartoon – cartoonish expressions on their face like there's just this one sad ass looking villager he's just he's you know who i'm talking about he's no. like he's really old
1: but i and hope he's, he's listed on imdb as sad ass <laughs> villager
0: <laughs> it's um i'll have to get a screenshot and send it to you but he's just he's got this he looks like he's crying all like all the time um just his, <laughs> i think he's the one that was um that uh, he was supposed to be guarding the rice, the rice jar. Oh, yes. you know, in the middle what? of the night. I think it was him.
1: He's got a very good reason. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, <laughs> they're out of the food. Entire, <laughs> the entire movie, though, just,
0: <laughs> you know, oh, okay. You know, like resting bitch face. It's like resting cry face. Is is what he has. <laughs> but um, one of my favorite characters is, uh, and this is where most of the the, the comedy. Maybe not most of the comedy, but it's it's the the guy who's kind of equivalent to the James Coburn Coburn character. Um, you know, they, they even kind of look alike. You know, kind of slim. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's the one where, you know, in in all of these incarnations of of this particular story, it's the one where he has a a duel. Um, where you know the other guy uh, is like, hey, no, you didn't win. Let's do this again for real this time. You know, that guy. Mm-hmm. So you know, when we first see him. It's very tense, except for the guy he's fighting. It's just so fidgety that it comes off very comical, you know. And uh, I really like that. But my favorite scene from him that really, uh, uh, really stuck in my stuck in my head ever, ever since high school was the part where they're talking about that uh, they want to go get this musket, you know, from from the villains. And so he's like, um, one guy tries to run off, and, and he goes, "Hold on, no, let, let me do it. You, you'll die." And so he go so he takes off, which I like this transition too. It's a swipe, and you know we mentioned how there's like fire like throughout this movie, and so to to show the passage of time, the fire has been put out uh you know, and all you see is smoke, so we're assuming a few hours. he comes back, you know he's just walking on nonchalantly, he's like, "Oh, here's a musket, oh, how many did you kill? Oh, two down, and then he just takes a nap, <laughs> you know, so it just it's very subtle and it just worked and I just thought it was, it was really funny.
1: That also, that sequence, you know, works better given the length of the film and that, you know, it's, it's what inspires in a very negative way for Cacuccio to prove himself as well. And so it's very, I think late in the film, you know, there's only about a half hour left and uh, he's gone and pulled a similar tactic and has let, you know, he's let, left his post basically to go steal a musket and you see, you know, they lose, they lose, you know, allies. They lose a, a comrade, um, and doing so. And that's, that's where seven samurai is just a little more, you know, it's three dimensional, uh, whereas magnificent seven, uh, I would say magnificent seven is truly trying to be a good action movie, a good Western, uh, mm-hmm. about, Men with no honor who you know achieve honor by sticking it out, and that's that's why I love that last line from Eli Wallach's villain, just like you know a man like you, what are you even doing here? What are you doing here um and actually even though the the endings are similar i i still I actually like magnificent Sevens the way they word it better they're saying the same thing um where you yeah, have the the leaders in both of these uh films uh you know commenting on the fact that even though they accomplished their goal and they protected this the the various villages um that you know only the farmers win um and he says in magnificent 7 he says you know you know people like us lose like you know we never win and i thought it's it's a little bit darker than i, I felt like there's more sorrow and uh expressed in seven samurai where, you know, they they look up at the grave sites of the, the the lost samurai and the lives that were lost to protect these farmers. But calling yourself losers in Magnificent Seven, I think I just like that better. I don't know. That's just like a that's just a far more bitter ending as far as um, just being you know sad about the loss of life.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I can't I can't say it any better. <laughs>
1: I don't know what that says about me. That just want the, the <laughs> heroes to call themselves losers, Yeah, but. we're just a bunch of losers.
0: <laughs> Shit. All right, well, on to the next town. <laughs> Better look next time. <laughs> but uh yeah, other
1: than I mean, I enjoyed both of these as far as I, I think that uh it's kind of interesting like, you know, if I was going to pick, you know, or or tell someone which one to watch, uh, I, I'm probably gonna go with Magnificent Seven as far as if I'm just recommending a movie to people. And, and you're gonna get like the general story, uh, cause I do think it's a, it's a very good remake. I think it's a very good film in its own regard. Um, uh, but it's kind of coming down to like, you know, how often we have a, you know, a respective friend, uh, Margo from a podcast called Book vs. Movie. And that premise is them reading the book, then watching the film. And you always hear that, you know, for people like, well, the book was better, the book was better this feels like seven Samurai is the book. It's like, you know, you really have to commit yourself to it. It's three and a half hours long. Uh, it does sort of lag a little bit and Magnificent seven, you know, I guess takes the more boring bits out the the romance or what have you. But, uh, I feel like, you know, it's a full course meal. Like you get more out of it. Like there's, there's definitely like the, the more powerful scenes are going to be in seven Samurai as opposed to Magnificent seven. So, Um, I think like as a work of art, I would go with seven samurai, but I would then, if as soon as I recommended it to someone, I'd be like, okay, now you're going to have, you have to realize how long it is. You have to really like sort of buckle down. And it's like, almost like giving someone homework. So I don't want it to sound like that, but, um, this is kind of a weird split where I really enjoyed both of them. And I understand why the Magnificent seven sort of deviated, uh, where it did, given that it was a different genre and it was for American audiences.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, maybe we just have a push. You know, we we like them both. Uh, You know, Magnificent Seven does work well as a, you know, most people still haven't seen Seven Samurai probably Mm -hmm. because of, you know, the 17 hours cut uh, it is. And uh, Magnificent Seven, yeah, they, like you said, they uh, cut off all the excessive fat, you know, that, um, you know, isn't really needed. What I do appreciate about Seven Samurai is, like you mentioned how three-dimensional it is, but... Like, uh, when they are planning, you know, to defend themselves from, you know, the, uh, the attackers, they, they show you all facets of like strategy, right? There's one point where they're like, Hey, let's, let's, um, dress up a a scarecrow in this gear and see where, you know, the shots are coming from. So they, they show you all different types of planning, you know, and that's what really makes the movie long. You know, it's, it's just Mm. how, how much time they put into. You know setting up their attack and defenses and things of that nature the The first hour is fun as hell, you know because mm-hmm. that's where you get to meet all the seven samurai that's where you get to see you know how they uh how how smart each of them <laughs> each of them really is and I'm harking to the scene where uh Kim Bay's like, all right, we're gonna sit in here, you guys bring in the guys and just whack each one in the head <laughs> and and just let's just see how." How, uh, how, how quick witted they are or whatever. And, and then like, the, you know, the, the, this goes on about three times. One guy doesn't even walk in because he's like, all right, what's going on here? I, there's, there's gotta be somebody, you know, behind the door kind of deal. And then later on, you know, where Kikuchi, you know, is like dragged in drunk. He, he gets <laughs> whacked in the head, you know, like all, all of that works. All of that's extremely fun. You know, you, you get this, um, uh, old man, the elder from the village, which you, you have him in, uh, in both movies as well. But I like it every time they visit the old man, there's always like this thumping sound, you know, this drumming. And it's like kind of intense, you know. So I, I really like everything about Seven Samurai artistically. And that's who I would recommend this particular movie to is someone that appreciates something like that and has the time to watch it, something like that. Um, but yeah, Seven Samurai, if you just want something fun and enjoyable magnificent seven you know it's just slightly over two hours long uh but for me uh of the seven samurai or magnificent seven those just those group i say seven samurai has the more uh the group that i enjoy watching the most
1: i'm just going to uh Go with Magnificent Seven to, to, as you said, so we can push, leave it up to our two listeners, which I think are you and I. So I guess we'll just have to yes. settle this a different – hopefully one of us will switch our votes, I guess, to break the tie. You mentioned the humor of Seven Samurai. I also just want to be that guy and mention, again, The Hidden Fortress, which is another Kurosawa film that is really funny, a fun adventure story that was featured on this very podcast for – our uh, Star Wars uh, New Hope episode, because there was a lot of the elements dealing with uh, the droids and the sort of the Death Star plans and the princess. Um, we are found in Hidden Fortress and Lucas aside that as an influence. So if you're in the mood, but not quite ready to graduate to the 17 hour Experience it as Seven Samurai. There is a two-hour, six-minute Hidden Fortress film from Kurosawa that I can't recommend enough, and there's a great podcast on it that you can listen to afterwards.
0: Yes, and you know, with you choosing Magnificent Seven, I, I was going with not choosing either of them, just that choosing both, mm-hmm. and that was that's where I was going because I thought that's where you were going to kind of just split down the middle.
1: Yeah, we can do that. We can we can split it down the middle. We could create our own supercut, maybe. And just yeah. make it a five hour film where we somehow try to get the Western elements to work in the middle of uh, Seven Samurai.
0: Oh, yeah. We could make them a, a 14, you know, <laughs> 14 uh, Magnificent Samurai or something. Which, by the way, you know, like uh, before I watched Magnificent Seven, I've always wondered, like, that's the, the stupidest title ever, mm. you know, or not not ever, but I was just like, Magnificent sir, Seven. There, there's sir, nothing. You called me Magnificent
1: nothing- Mike. You're saying my stripper name is stupid?
0: Well, your, your your name is Mike. It's not a number. So, I mean, that, that's my rebuttal there. No, it's just like, I was like, where did they get magnificent? Like, what is magnificent about these guys? They are just, they are just uh, gunslingers. It, it, there's nothing magnificent about them. But it's a throwaway line in Seven Samurai. Uh, I'm sorry, Seven Samurai. It's the, the character that we talked about that's um, kind of like the James Coburn character mm. from Mag-7. You know, where he goes to grab that musket the young samurai is just in admiration, which I got to say, I think in the Japanese culture to show someone that you admire them a lot is to stare at them.
1: Yeah. Not well, I mean, but it, the
0: man is sleeping and the guy's just standing yeah. there just like, he, he looks like he wants to kiss him or something. Yeah, and, and something he's like, it would
1: be creepy. Hey, you, you do that now. I don't think you're going to, I think you're going to get there's <laughs> some sort of restraining order. Eventually if you, if you keep that up,
0: there's an app to call the cops. I'm sure they'll just do that. <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, he, um he, he just looks at the guy, he's like, "Stage your business, I'm trying to sleep. He's like, you're magnificent. I'm like, ah, there we go, there it is. That's that's how they got the line for Magnificent 7. I'm just like, okay, I got it.
1: Well, they're not as clever as we are, because, you know, in this podcast we talk about an original film and it's remake, so, original remake. <laughs> we, we didn't call it, like, the amazing original remake, or <laughs> right. the spectacular original remake.
0: Yeah, you, you know, on my... Uh, it is not released yet but i did do an episode of uh, the young guns which i was trying to be funny and come up with an alternative title for the young guns like the the silly ass 6 you know because there's only six characters mm. uh, uh leads in that movie so adam sandler I...
1: beat you to it with uh,
0: ridiculous yeah. yeah i heard that was a ridiculous movie
1: yeah I, i'm i'm just going to believe people i'm going to take their word on it <laughs> I won't, won't be watching that one um well you know that kind of brings us to like the sort of the last little Fun uh, segment of our show where we, you know, we recast, we remake it again. But you know, they just did that, so I figure we got to go with a completely different genre now, right? Like we got to—if you had a, a feudal Japan samurai movie, and then you've got the, you know the old west on the the Mexican border, uh, where do we go now? Do we go sci-fi? Do we go modern? Is this like a modern crime movie? What 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 would you do, Peter?
0: The former. We're gonna we're gonna do like uh, Firefly slash Serenity. Mm, okay. You know, uh little little Star Wars there, but I mean that's a sci-fi western, right? I mean that's uh I uh, I think that would be great. Then you can have a, a yet another diverse cast of characters um to to appease all the uh, ethnicities so that way nobody gets mad that there's more white guys and Asians and blacks and, and and all of these things. You can have one from every race, you know? Maybe it's the uh, the, the United 7. I don't know. Um but uh gosh you know maybe have some uh have some leading ladies in there you know we we both love uh, some uh, Jessica Chastain throw her in there
1: i you know i was thinking i was going to steal from tarantino and just have like the uh the old pulp fiction thing that uh, kind of inspired kill bill uh, where uma thurman's character mia wallace in pulp fiction said she was on a failed pilot called i think fox force 5 so maybe we'll bring it down to to five members and uh, you know, you can have Uma Thurman, who I love, uh, Vivica A. Fox, Lucy Liu. You could just bring back the Kill Bill, you know, group and and uh have them in space. So I don't know, okay. if, I don't know if that'll work. But uh, if you want to add a couple more, you know, yeah, Jessica Chastain, and how about Emily Blunt as well? She's she's kind of like the modern uh sort of female action star right now. So
0: yeah, Hey, how about, throw in some Kate McKinnon too.
1: Kate McKinnon, okay. It, so she uh. Yeah, you know, what Ghost is she, she going to put? But what's she, you know, she's obviously not going to be the leader there. No, um, she
0: she'll be the James Coburn character.
1: Okay, she's going to be the the highly skilled one, right? The, yeah. Okay.
0: Highly skilled and it has some comical scenes. You know, like they they can do like this uh this this women's remake of Ocean's Eleven where they take down what what is it eight? Is it, going to be eight eight uh, female uh, characters.
1: I don't, you I know what I'm talking about? I, I didn't know. I thought they were going all women. What is this? You, oh,
0: it, it is all women, but, but it's not 11. I think they took it down to eight is, uh, is what see, I'm getting at. See, so we
1: still can't have a quality, can we? <laughs> <laughs>
0: so instead of seven, maybe we, we take it down to five. <laughs> Produced by uh, Happy Happy Madison. Oh, my God. <laughs> Instant money loser.
1: <laughs> uh, coming soon to Netflix. <laughs>
0: Uh, that's that's too much credit there. Um, uh, crackle coming through. Crackle. <laughs> <God. laughs> <laughs> all
1: right, so we lost our uh, crackle sponsorship. So uh, you know, where where can people find us, Peter, if they want to interact with us? God, uh, God knows why they would after that.
0: Yeah, well, uh, you can find all of our great shows on uh, followingfilms.com. Uh, we moved temporarily, and then we came back again, so it, it, it is still there. Uh, you can find my show, Hydrate Level 4. Uh, you can find me at or on Twitter, at HLF Podcast. Where can they find you, Mike?
1: I'm on Twitter, at War Machine Horse. Uh, I took that weird handle because the other podcast I do is called War Machine vs. War Horse, uh, where a new release inspires a conversation about two older films that uh, have a similar theme but different approaches.
0: Uh, yeah, I forgot to talk about my show. Well, uh, we usually review movies that uh, we grew up watching and give a grown-ups, uh, grown-up's take on it, I guess, to see if the movies uh, still hold up. I kind of mentioned that uh, Young Guns is an upcoming episode. Um, previously, I've also done like uh, Real Genius uh, with Margot, who we've mentioned on this show. Uh, she also returned for the uh, 2000 movie Frequency, and we did that because the TV show was coming out uh, at the time of this recording. So um, yeah, followingfilms.com, you can find us there and also other great shows like uh, our good buddy Dave, who hosts Pop Culture Case Study, and Hiram Barry over at the True Romance Film Podcast. Uh, now, Mike, did you catch the other throwaway line where Cuccio says, horsey? Did not. Did not. Okay. <laughs> thought of you. I thought of you. Uh,
1: you know, I'll take that as a win.
0: <laughs> yeah. There you go.
1: Podcasters don't always lose.
0: No. Uh, and is there any other way we close it out? I, I'm I feel like we're forgetting something else. That pretty much wraps it up.
1: I think we usually just like laugh in and, and the Skype call or just.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Ha 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 ha. I have my resting cry face right now as I weep. All seven
1: and we'll watch them fall. They stand in the way of love and we will smoke them all with and the savoir faire. No one in the whole universe will ever compare. I am yours now, and you are mine, and Together we love through all space and time, so don't cry. One day all seven will die. I heard you did a pilot.
0: That was my fifteen minutes. What was it? It was a show about a team of female secret agents called Fox Force Five. What? Fox Force Five. Fox as in we're a bunch of foxy chicks. Force as in we're a force to be reckoned with. And five as in there's one, two, three, four, five of us. There was a blonde one, Somerset O'Neill. She was a leader. The Japanese fox was a kung fu master. The black girl was a demolition expert. French fox's specialty was sex.
1: What was your specialty?
0: Knives.